Happy Easter Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Powerful sense of the presence of God. If you wonder whether Jesus is alive, just pinch somebody beside you and say, did you feel that? Did you feel that? I felt that. Jesus is alive in the house. I heard a story the other day about a couple that had been wanting to go to the Holy Land forever, and, uh, and they finally got a chance to go. And as soon as they uh, made their plans, her mother said, well, I've always wanted to go to Holy Land. Can I go with you? And so they well, okay, you can go with us. And so they went over there, and while they were there, uh, mother-in-law died. And so they went to the funeral director, and they asked the funeral director, so I, what do we do? I mean, we're Americans. We're not from here. And the funeral director said, well, you've got a couple of options. You can, uh, uh, you can send her home and be buried there. cost you about $5,000 or so. Or you can have her, she can be buried right here in the Holy Land. It cost you about 150 bucks. And the, and the son-in-law thought for a minute. He said, oh, well, let's see. Okay, well, we'll send her home. And the funeral director said, well, you did hear me say $5,000 to send her home and 150 here. You heard that, right? He said, yeah. But I heard there was a guy buried here once that came back, and I ain't taking no chances. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, Pastor Jim just ain't right. He just ain't right in the head. There's just something wrong with that man. We are kicking off a series today we're calling Epilogue One Minute After You Die, and I know so many of you are excited. <sighs> kind of a heavy subject for Easter. Oh, man, I worked so hard to get my friends and family here, and now you're going to talk about death? <laughs> are you kidding me, Pastor? You know, you're talking about death. Believe me, I get it. Death is not a subject we want to talk about. I mean, if you met a friend this morning for the first time and say, hey, you want to go to Easter lunch with us? And you've had lunch and you did the typical kind of friend stuff of, hey, you know, where are you from? What do you do? All that kind of stuff. And you run out of conversation and it kind of lull and you finally say, well, I know, let's talk about death. What would your new friends do? They go, mm, I think maybe I got a, got a thing I got to get to. So we don't like to talk about that subject. But hear me, guys, it doesn't have to be a dark subject because the Bible is very clear. We don't actually die. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Yes, our physical bodies are dying stage by stage, little by little. Trust me, I know that that's happening. Um, they will go back to the dust of the earth eventually, but you and I are never going to die. We're going to live forever. That's just reality. You see, I'm not this body. You're not that body. That's the shell that you inhabit but it's not your body. You ever seen the, the epitaph carved on the gravestone? It's one of my favorites. It says, here lies old man Pease, lying beneath the flowers and trees. But Pease ain't here, just the pod, because Pease shelled out and went to God. <laughs> John actually saw that vision, and he wrote about it in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Yes, Jesus died on that first Good Friday so long ago, but he didn't stay dead. Did you hear the news? He didn't stay dead. He conquered death. He conquered the grave, and now he holds the keys to both. He's alive, and because he's alive, we can be alive too. Come on. 
And not just going through the motions of kind of being alive, but being alive because he's alive. Fact is, that's what Easter Sunday is all about. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. If he wasn't alive, we wouldn't be alive. What would be the point? Pastor Allen, our Smithfield Bridge location pastor, said this week, it kind of struck me, I thought I'd share it with you. He said, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then every church service we attend is just a memorial for a dead God. What's the point? The good news is Jesus is alive. So no, death is not a morbid subject. It's not a dark subject. In fact, it would be crazy not to talk about this thing called death because we are going to live forever, forever, somewhere, somewhere. I know, I know, forever. That's, that's a huge concept. It's kind of hard to grasp what that's even all about. In fact, I was thinking about this week and, and I thought about some things that, I, that seemed like I wish they had lasted forever when, when our boys were little and they were you know, on our toes instead of on our hearts. You know? I kind of wish those days had lasted forever sometimes. I wish my waistline when I was 35 had lasted forever, but I'm with Pastor Andy. I'm at least 15 biscuits past that point. I wish my black hair had lasted forever. It went away when I was about 45. I don't know. I also thought of some things that, that I, I'm glad didn't last forever. I don't know if you could think of some of those. I'm thinking about the hairstyles of the 80s. I don't know if any of you wore your hair like that. Any brave souls? For me, it was more like the dress codes of the 70s. Any of you? Here we go. Can we see, there? Can we see the, the dress codes of the 70s? I think it's there. I think I actually had that shirt. I had that, that shirt. The only difference between that guy and me is I parted my hair down the middle. How, oh, come on, guys. How many of you old enough you remember? You parted your hair down the middle. Brave soul. I see one or two. You still part your hair down the middle, brother. <laughs> Some sermons I've heard felt like they were lasting forever. Some of my sermons felt like they were lasting forever to folks. So around here we have a philosophy that says, blessed are the short-winded for they'll have somebody to preach to next week. So. I'm not going to keep you too long, but I do want to make sure we understand this concept of forever because it can be really hard to wrap our brains around. I mean, even Jesus' disciples had a hard time with this. When Jesus told them about his kingdom, they immediately assumed he meant here, now. They thought he was going to overthrow the Roman uh, government and, and set his kingdom up right then and there and that they would have a prominent position in his kingdom right then and there. That first Palm Sunday a couple thousand years ago that we call the triumphal entry now, some of you know that scene, Jesus is riding in on a colt and the people, hundreds of people lining the streets, waving palm branches, singing Hosanna to the king. No doubt the disciples were excited because they're saying, oh man, it's time. He's about to come together right now. And the next thing you know, they're sitting at dinner with Jesus and he's saying, by the way, guys, I'm going to die tonight. And you're going to scatter in fear. What? No, no, that, no. And the very next day, they saw him hanging on a cross between two common thugs. I mean, I can almost hear the disciples' dream bubbles pop one by one as they saw that scene and they went into depression afterwards. And not just because of what Jesus was suffering, but because they didn't have a grasp on what forever is. 
But let's not give them too hard a time because it can be incredibly difficult to grasp. You agree with me? Are we in this together? Simple truth is that everything we've ever done has had a context of space and time, and so it's really hard for us to think beyond that box. But I think there are three things that it's critical that we know about forever. And I want to make sure before we leave here today on Resurrection Sunday, before you shut your TV or your computer down watching online, that you, you understand three basic things, critically vital things about forever, even if we continue to struggle with wrapping our brains around what forever looks like. Let me just tell you what those three things are, and then I'm going to let you go this morning. The first one simply is that you are forever loved. You are forever loved. The problem is there's a whole lot of confusion in the world about what love actually is. The world it gives really confusing signals about what love is. Quite often it's defined uh, more as a, this magical feeling that you fall into. It's just kind of like I was walking along the road and somebody left the manhole cover off and I fell in. Boom, I fell in love. You have no control over it. And there's, it's nothing you can do. It's just there. The problem with that approach to love is what happens when you don't feel loving anymore what happens to that relationship if you can fall in of love in love then you can probably fall out of love and so real love has to go deeper than that wait what did you are you saying that there are no feelings associated with love oh no no I didn't say that there's an ocean of emotions there's a quiver in our liver when it comes to love can I get an amen in the house but the feelings are the caboose of that train. They're not the engine. Does that make sense? The engine of that train is choice. The engine of that train is commitment. The engine of that train is giving somebody what they need, whether they deserve it or not, and whether you feel like it or not. That ultimately is what love is. And if you ever wonder if you've ever been loved with that kind of a love, oh, you don't have to look any further than the cross of Jesus Christ because he demonstrated to all the world of all generations, this is what forever love looks like. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we deserve it. We didn't deserve it. Mercy wasn't deserved. It was a gift because he loves us so much. John chapter 1, verse 14. So Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of what? Unfailing love and faithfulness. Hear me. Every strike of the hammer that drove those spikes through his hands, drove those spikes through his feet, with a testimony to the reality that love is a choice. Love is a commitment. Love is something that you do because you love someone, not because they deserve what you're doing for them. Love forever, love unconditional is marvelous and it's demonstrated by Jesus. In fact, even before Jesus came, the prophet Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 31, 3, long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with a everlasting love. Another word for everlasting is forever. With a forever kind of love. Hear, hear me, guys. One of the deepest desires of, 
of we who call the bridge home, we who are part of the bridge family. One of the deepest desires that we have is that from the moment you drive up in our parking lot, the minute you walk through our doors, the minute you enter this room or check your kids into the bridge kids area, from the moment you arrive in this place and start to interact with the people that call the bridge home and call themselves the people of God, from that very moment, our deepest desire is that you begin to sense the love of God for you. You begin to recognize how much he loves you in this no strings attached kind of undeserved but clearly available unconditional love. No qualifications to receive it. It's yours if you will take it. Understand, I know, on that first Easter weekend, there was Friday, there was Saturday, there was Sunday. Friday's the day that Jesus died and Friday was dark. The whole world became dark while Jesus took the sins of the world on his shoulders. Saturday was quiet. Very little said on Saturday. Then Sunday changed everything when dawn broke and Jesus rose from the grave. I'm well aware that on any given Sunday in this place, there are some of you who've walked through our doors and you're feeling a little bit like it's that dark Friday right now. There's darkness in your life. There's stuff going on in your marriage and your, in your health and your finances and your relationships and your own sense of self-worth or self-esteem. There's dark stuff going on and you walk through here just, okay, I guess I'll go. Yeah, somebody invited you or, or just to shut your wife up or something. Whatever you think brought you here, I believe with everything in me, God brought you here for this white-haired preacher to say you are loved with a forever love. Maybe, maybe you're in the Saturday where you believe what I just said, but when you pray, nothing happens. When you call out to God, it's as silent as midnight, and you're wondering, is he even there? And if he is there, does he even care? Does he even know the pain that I'm going through? Maybe, maybe you're in that quiet Saturday, but wherever you are, I believe with everything in me that I'm supposed to tell you that Satan wants you to stay in that dark Friday. He wants you to stay in that silent Saturday, but Jesus is alive and you don't have to stay there. You don't have to be dead before you're dead. You can be alive in Jesus Christ because he's alive. He rose on that third day and that brings hope no matter what you're facing in your life. You are forever loved by God. So whisper it softly. I am forever Loved. Go ahead. I am forever loved. Look at somebody and say, you are forever loved. Isn't it amazing how much easier it is to say you are forever loved than it is to say I am forever loved, but you are. The second truth about forever that you need to understand is that your forever determines how you live today. As long as you believe that you're an accident, as long as you believe that, that God did not make you on purpose, he doesn't have a purpose for your life, as, as long as you believe that if there is a God, he doesn't care about me, as long as you, that's your approach to life and understanding of life, then I need to tell you honestly, you're doomed to live a life that's filled with choices that are, that are designed to try to fill the void that you feel right now. 
And the choices that you will make to fill the void right now don't fill the void because it's a God-shaped void. It's not a stuff-shaped void. It's not an experience-shaped void. It's not a, uh, an acquisition-shaped void. It's a God-shaped void. Sadly enough, many people, that's the way they live. They live for now. Now is the moment. Now is all that matters. Sadly the reality is that many Christians who have said, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, and yes, Jesus is my Savior, and yes, I gave my life to Jesus. Yes, I was water baptized back there. They still live for now instead of taking the perspective that I'm going to live forever, and that should inform how I live in this moment. They think now's all I have, therefore all now is all that matters. Even the Apostle Paul took a while to figure that one out. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. I once thought these things, this temporary stuff I'm talking about, this now stuff, was valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. In other words, early in his life, Paul made the same mistakes that we tend to make. He learned from the best teachers, got the best education. He got a high place in society, was highly respected. Many believe he was a member of the Sanhedrin. At what point in his life he was, he was the guy. He was big man on campus in Jerusalem. That was Paul. Took him a while to figure out that at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't eternally matter. It doesn't last. He finally began to grasp. He finally began to understand that we're going to live forever somewhere and the only thing that's going to matter, the only thing that's going to stand is what we did with eternity in view. The stuff we did during this time doesn't ultimately last unless it's intentionally designed for that time, which is why he warned us. One day you're going to give an account to God. And the simple reality is, the simple truth is, when you stand before God in that final day, and you and I will, in fact, stand in front of God one day, everything that bring, that's brought before our eyes will either bring reward or regret. One of my favorite songs that I used to sing years ago, C.T. Studd, wrote it, said, only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. When you get that, when it finally sinks in, that we aren't living for now, what we do now is designed to invest in forever, it changes your perspective on everything. You begin to ask yourself questions that at every decision, is, is this going to re be reward or regret? When I stand before God on the final day, does this thing eternally matter? Is this worth investing my one and only life in? My, my favorite tool for keeping perspective on that is a rope. I think Cliff is back there or somebody's back there. Cliff didn't have the courage to come out. We're going to pick on Cliff this morning. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. Th this rope, some of you have seen this illustration before. I've mentioned it before. But just imagine with me that this yellow rope represents eternity and it goes on and on and on way past. You can't even see the end of it because there is no end of it. But at the beginning of the rope is this little bit of red tape. What do you suppose this is in the whole spectrum of things? This is now. This is the 60, 70, 80, 90, 
100. Oldest man I ever did a funeral for was 112. That's the 100 years or less that we live. And we spend so much time worrying about but this or this. Or man, I'm going to save up and I'm going to go on this trip and it's going to happen in this period of time. I'm going to buy that new car and it's going to, but it's going to feel good for about this long until the kids throw up in the back seat. It's going to be, right, when in fact there is this to be considered forever. Once Paul got that, he actually wrote in his second letter to the church at Corinth, he said, so we fix our eyes not what is unseen, but on what's unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What's he saying? He's saying, don't let yourself be so focused on this little bit that you forget about this big bit. Is he saying, don't enjoy your stuff? No. Is he saying it's wrong to have a nice car? Of course not. Is he saying it's wrong to go on a trip? Of course not. He's saying keep your perspective on everything you do, every dollar you spend, every minute you invest. Make sure that you're keeping eternity in view because when you understand that forever is forever, whatever that means, then this is such a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of time. The apostle Paul is saying, man, once I got that, once I understood that, that I'm going to exist forever, yeah, this body's going back to the dust of the earth, but I'm not. I'm going to exist forever. Then this is a drop in the bucket in comparison to this. So, you know, if you say, well, Paul, you know, that's a really nice house. That's a really nice car. That's a really nice thing. That's a really nice trophy. That's a really nice whatever. He would say, oh, yeah, sure, of course it is. But, you know, I've gotten the credentials, and I've gotten the accolades, and I've gotten the positions, and I've gotten all the stuff, and he called it garbage. In fact, if you read the King James Version, he called it dung. Tell me what you really think, Paul. <laughs> What he's saying is, I'm not living like that anymore. I'm not focused on now. I'm focused on the finish line and where my one and only life will ultimately take me into forever. I'm living for the moment when I hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys that have been prepared for you. And I certainly don't want to invest so much in this that at that point, I hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. Which leads us to the third thing you need to know about forever. Yes, you are loved forever. Yes, your forever determines how you live today. But the third truth is your today determines how you're going to live forever. The reality of eternity is that there is a decision that has to be made now. The scriptures are clear. Today is the day of salvation. There's a decision that has to be made 
now that determines, it's made during this time to determine what happens during this forever time. And so you're in one of those decision now moment times. If you've not established your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've not settled that thing for that moment that you stand before him and give account, can I beg you not to leave this room, not to turn your computer off until you make the choice today to accept the forever love that Jesus has for you. And dare I say that a decision to put off the decision is in itself a decision? The decision is say yes to the one who loves you forever. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, 28. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ is offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. Not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting him. Who's he bringing salvation for? To all who are eagerly waiting for him. He's not coming to bring judgment. He's coming to say welcome home to your forever life. But he's saying it to those who have made the decision before he gets here. I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I step across the line of faith. I am his. I read uh, just this week a piece of geographic information that if I knew I'd forgotten. North Carolina's Blue Ridge Parkway is actually part of the Eastern Continental Divide. And, and that divide is, is really important. It's critical in so many ways to the ecology of our world. But one of the most significant ways is that water that falls on the east side of the divide flows to the Atlantic Ocean. And rain that falls on the west side of the divide flows to the Gulf of Mexico. So two drops of rain sitting side by side in the heavens fall one centimeter apart. They land on opposite sides of the continental divide and wind up light years apart. We're all sitting in this room right now. We're all watching online together right now. We're listening to these words right now and we're just centimeters apart. But one day we're going to stand before God. The decisions we make today, which side of the divide we choose to be on, will design and define our forever. I've asked Pastor Ricky and Julie to come back and just sing a bit of that last song that they sang for us forever. While they're coming and getting position, I want us to pray. I want you to bow your heads and pray, and I just want you to reflect. Nobody's going to browbeat you. We're not going to sing 37 verses of just as I am until somebody comes, but I'm going to beg you to seriously reflect on the few simple things that I've said today and ask yourself the question, am I ready for that conversation? And if not, what am I going to do about forever today?
Would you bow your head with me? Father, thank you for loving us so much that you made the way. Thank you for loving us no matter where we are in our journey. No matter how far from you we are in this moment, no matter how near, you love us the same because your love is not defined by us, it's defined by you. So I pray in the quietness of this moment while Ricky and Julie sing these powerful words that we would ask ourselves the simple question, how well have I been loving you back? How well have I been responding to your love? How well have I been focused on forever as opposed to focusing on now? And what am I going to do about it if I haven't made those eternal choices yet? Keep your eyes closed for just a few moments. Ponder these words as they sing. to shake the stone was rolled away his perfect love could not be Thank you, Jesus, for loving us that much. Thank you that you're sitting right now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Thank you that you're speaking to each of our hearts today. Thank you that we can respond. Here and now, we say yes to you. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. Maybe you've said it many times. But just in the quietness of this moment, I'm going to ask you to say yes to him today. Maybe for the first time, maybe in a fresh way. But just quietly together. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Thank you for loving us forever. Thank you for giving us a a meaningful life now with forever, ever in view. Thank you that we have the chance today to determine what our forever will be. We accept you, Jesus, as our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, yes.